today on The Breakdown. We've got a hand with just a few tables left in the PCA from 2019, and it features fan favorite Simon Dedman, fan favorite Marc-Andre Ladusser, and another guy who is not a fan favorite yet, but perhaps one day he will. His name is Klaus Segerbrecht. They play a hand where, I will say this, Grant saw the hand, texted it to me right away about how excited he was about it, how great it was and all this. And here we are doing it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Doing the, the pause again. Yeah, I really went for that pause that time. You didn't really go for it. For you, it probably felt longer than it was because yeah. you're really trying to not say anything, and it, it like doubles the time in your mind, probably. Um, yeah, this is I, I. I'm one of the suggestors of this hand. Yeah, I wanted to do a breakdown of it as soon as I saw it. I thought it was really cool. Uh, it was also suggested by Chris, who I don't know if we've had a suggestion from Chris before, but mm. if you're suggesting what Grant Dennison is suggesting, <laughs> oh, talk boy. about a Hall of Famer. Here we go. And uh, the Twitter master, who is a Hall of Famer, I, I, I believe. I think so. Yeah, I think so. He's also the Twitter master, so you I mean you got to show some respect. Got to. Yeah, uh, this was in a PCA episode from from Poker Stars. So what they had to do was include a timestamp when they sent us the YouTube link, and they did a good job of that. They embedded the video at the time. How do you, how they do they phrase the it? The link. They you embed the link at embed, the time of the video. Yeah, you right click on the video, and yeah. you can embed the link at the time of the video, and that'll copy it, and you hit paste, and send that's it over to the poker guys. And we'll take a look at it. Yeah, that's, that's what, what we did. And uh, in this case, though, we had already seen it, and we were just like, yep, that's the hand. Yeah. And here we are. Now we're doing the hand. What a world, you know? Technology, like, man. You do it. You think about a hand, and then you do a podcast on a hand. Everybody's done this. Everybody's experienced that, you know? <laughs> doing podcasts on poker hands. Okay. Anyway. I mean, I've experienced it. I have, too. Uh, so it is the PCA. It is 2019. It's back to a 10K buy-in. It has been for a couple of years now. Was it just one year or two years they did a 5K buy-in? Yeah, I don't know. The one year for sure that they did a 5K buy-in is when we live-tweeted the PCA, and it was one of the most boring experiences of my life. Sir Watts won it. Yep. Um, It was a much smaller first prize than normal because, of course, it was the 5K buy-in. It was like 600K or something. And uh, not as many of you were interested in that (laughs) live-tweeting as the main event live-tweeting that we've done in the past. Yep, that is for sure. No one really seemed to care, and we didn't care either eventually because, gosh, it was boring. Yeah. So, and we're probably not going to live tweet the main event anymore either. No, we haven't done it for a while. Well, I mean, we were playing the main event. Oh, no, you mean the final the table? The final yeah. table, yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't do it this year. I don't think we did it last year either. I can't remember when we stopped. We did it the first year, and it was, a, it was kind of a big hit based on where we were in our lives in terms of like social media and stuff. Well, yeah, that actually got, took us from like 200 Twitter followers to 400 Twitter followers. Yeah, yeah it was a big deal. And then the next year, we, like, we had a significantly bigger following, but we only added like 100 Twitter followers. We yeah. were like, oh. Because we were like, are we going to get like 1,000 new Twitter? 2,000 yeah. is going to be great. And no, that's not what happened. It's not. It's not at it's all. It's not what happened. And anyway. I, I think you mispronounced. I mean, you know what? I, I shouldn't say that because I don't know how to say German names. But uh, the Segebrecht guy, his first name is spelled C-L-A-A-S. Class. Maybe a German can Klaus. tell us how you are supposed to say that. I, I, I'm going to say Klaus. I want to go with Klaus. There's no U. Or yeah, any, there's no any, but is that the Englishification of the name Klaus? Perhaps when we add I, the I U? thought I thought it would have a U in German, but maybe I'm wrong. I certainly don't know and wouldn't want to claim it, but I'm going to say, yeah, it would. It, I'm going to call him Klaus. Klaus. <laughs> I think it's Klaus. Let's just call him Segerbrecht. That's it's, an awesome name. It's like anyway. a British person saying the word class. Klaus is not at all. 
It sounds like floss, though, which is cool because it's important to do that. Floss your teeth, I mean. Everything that's important to do is cool? <laughs> yeah, isn't it? I guess. I mean, your taxes? Are your taxes cool? It's cool to do them. I mean, it's fun. I know that. It's like a big... It's a game. It's a big fun game. It's a big puzzle. Where you pay money at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, okay, so there are three or four tables left. The ICM implications are going to be minute because there's yeah. not going to be big pay jumps. Everybody's in the money, so there's no bubble pressure. There's not any big pay jumps coming anytime in the near future, but people are starting to smell that final table and, and think about all the glory that they could have. I mean, there's definitely, for some players, um, pressure just not to make a really big mistake here, I think, you know, where you don't want to like cost yourself an opportunity to make the final table and or win the PCA. Yeah. Right. It's like you can start to feel the pressure now. Right. Okay. So the blinds are going to be 6K and 12K. The action is going to open with Marc-Andre Laducere. For those who don't know who that is, he's a pretty big-time pro. He's had a couple big main event runs. Back when PokerStars wasn't screwing over its players, he was like usually one of the first guys to make Supernova lead every year. Mm. He was like, really, really playing a ton of online poker and doing really well at it. So he's like a legit pro, knows what he's doing. He's got $1.16 million in front of him, so almost 100 blinds. Really good spot. Yeah. He has Queen-8 off on the button. He's going to open to 27K. Seems pretty normal to me. Yeah, I got nothing to say about that. I think we're going to have some stuff to say about what our friend Klaus Segebrecht. Do you mean Klaus Segebrecht? All right, I'm just going to call him Segebrecht. Segebrecht. Sounds does like in the a, small blind. Yeah. That could be, by the way, the name of like a bad guy, a German bad guy in like a superhero movie. Segebrecht! Well, I like think that. what's happening here is that since World War II, a lot of yeah. American movies have just kind of made German names easy to, to make evil. Hmm, that's fair. So I'm thinking of like Captain, the original Captain America, you know. Oh, yeah, the like, one so it is that a came out like right after World War II. What? The original Captain America. No, like, come on, with Chris Evans. You know, it was like, oh. it was like seven years ago. Yeah, where but, the guy know. had like the hell face. That yeah, was, yeah, that was the Red stupid. Skull. That was pretty stupid. Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah, it was. But young, anyway, Segerbrecht. Young Segerbrecht is what I'm going to call him from now I on. I like that. Uh, he has 400,000 in front of him, so not doing as well as Marc-Andre Laducere, obviously. He's got over 30 blinds, which is a reasonable stack, but not loving it. Um, he has king six of diamonds in the small blind, and he flats. And Jonathan, I know, wants to talk about this. I mean, I don't know how this is defensible. I can't think of a way. I can't think of a way if he has 70 blinds that this is defensible. He has like 30-some-odd blinds. Yeah. This seems horrific this seems like the opening scene from uh saving private ryan that 45 minute like d-day scene where you just like gore and disgusting and it's shocking and upsetting but it's a really good scene oh it's a really good scene it's great to watch but it's like the emotions are not pleasant and that's <laughs> what i that's what i'm experiencing here okay so what are your reservations about it <laughs> okay well first of all mostly when the button opens you're mostly shouldn't be calling from the small blind with most of your range anyway, I would say. I think that's yeah. fair to say, right? Um, one, you're going to be out of position. You're just going to lose the hand a tremendous amount of the time um, by just flatting there. Not to say you can never flat, but I think most good players are not flatting most, are, are, are raising or folding most of the time, at least. Now, the deeper you get, the easier, the more reasonable it is to flat there, I think. Yeah. The shorter you get, and now we're pretty short here, it becomes much less reasonable to flat. How in the world are you supposed to make chips with king six suited and 30 blinds out of position to the button? I just don't understand how you're supposed well, to do that. I mean, that's not a good argument because you would absolutely flat from the big blind. Right. Yeah, but you said all the things you said apply to the big blind. Um, 
Okay, but there's there's some you're, that's fair. That's fair. You're right. There's more to it. Yeah. You're, okay. Um, one is it costs more. Yeah. More importantly than that is you're not closing the action. Yes. We're actually setting up a squeeze play for the very good player in the big blind who absolutely is capable of squeezing, and we do not have a hand to fight back with. Yep. I guess we could decide to four bet all in, and when Simon Dedman puts in enough that he looks like he's pot committed, great. Because Simon Dedman's in the big blind. Yeah. Um, that doesn't sound like a good plan with King Six suited at all to me. Maybe it's a super above the rim play. Maybe he's trying to induce a squeeze so he can reshove as a bluff with a king in his hand. But my God, are you kidding me? That's not a good play. We should, there are way better kings. Like, if we're going to do that, let's at least have like king queen so we have better blockers and we do better when called. So, this is kind of in your mind an auto three bet when a player like Marc Andre opens the button and you have a hand as good as king six suited, but not really good enough to flat um pretty much auto three bet i mean i'm going to be taking into consideration how how a little bit of like what my image is yeah like i don't want to be three betting if i'm three betting so much lately or three betting him a lot from the small blind i may actually let this go once in a while because i don't want him to just feel like he's good enough to play back at me and i know that yeah so i don't want to always be auto three betting here if i've been doing if like the last three times i've been three betting him or even the last two times i might throw this one away because he might be ready you know yeah, because he's like waiting for me to do it again, right? If I've been doing it a lot, right? And then, so, but besides that, yeah, I think in general, like, rarely is it really going to come up where, you know, like usually you just don't get that many options opportunities where the, it folds to the to the button anyway in these tournaments. Like usually someone's open, so usually you can just three bet this pretty comfortably. Yeah, I think I'm usually just three betting this. Are you? Yeah, that would typically be what I'm doing. I'm going to try to defend. Yeah, young yeah. Sager Brecht a little Let's bit. Let's do it. It's possible that there is a dynamic at play here. These guys have been playing together for a while, and Marc-Andre is probably wielding that big stack to really bully people a lot, I would guess, with his experience and the way people are trying to get towards the final table of this tournament. And Kloss has kind of a perfect stack for Marc-Andre to shove into if Kloss decides to three-bet the most obvious three-bet position at the table. Yeah. And so Kloss is thinking along the lines, you're thinking, okay, maybe Marc-Andre is primed to just ship on me if I three-bet. Obviously, I can't call with this hand. But this hand feels too good to just fold against the button range. Like that—that's might be his thought process. Is like, it's just a bit too good to fold against the button range. Okay, so you're you're really reaching here. Yes, what's going on? Yeah, because that's an absurd freaking argument, right? Of course, it's good enough to fold. Um, well, you may be beating the button range, but if practically you can't play the hand effectively, who cares? Yeah, right. Um, like you're gonna have so many better hands that you could make that argument about, i.e., King Jack, King Queen. Ace 10. If you decide you don't, don't want to just like ace 10 is a hand you might decide to three you just bet go, go with. with. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe King Jack isn't. Yeah. So then you decide to flat King Jack. That's at least defensible. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose more than I probably should. But this hand's a little too good to fold. It's, it's okay. It's okay. I even then don't, I don't really like the flat, even with a hand like King Jack, but at least it's defensible. I feel like King six is not good enough. What are we really going to do with when we flop a king here? We're just going to. We're going to call all in eventually. Like we're just going to go call, call, call and like lose and get busted like a lot. I mean, yeah, what's I just, the plan. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I don't think I came up with a great reason. It's the best okay. I could come up with. Yeah, maybe there's somebody out there who could give a better reason for flatting here. And if you're one of those people and you're listening, yeah, please tweet it at us because I would love to know because something I said to Jonathan before we started this podcast, because this flat has been a discussion since I mentioned the hand that yeah. like Jonathan is upset about the flat and I'm very like, upset. I, I think it's a bad play also, but I'm willing to try to defend it because Segerbrecht has some results. You know, he's not a bad player based on his results. It he looks finished uh, fourth in the initial monster stack. 
Yeah. Which is pretty good. Yeah. He has $2 million in, in live earnings. He does play some 25Ks, so that's going to sort of skew the live earnings stuff. But still, $2 million is $2 million, and it's, it's got to mean something, right? Right. And it, so I, I asked Jonathan the question, don't you think it's likely that somebody who has the equivalent skill level or expected value in tournaments that you and I, Jonathan, do might think that some of the things we do are terrible? And yeah. they, they're like equally as good as us in different ways. Yeah. And I said very quickly, I said, absolutely. Yeah. I do think that. Right. Um, I mean, look, like when we did the Matt Berkey hand where he three bet with queen eight suited plus one and then call the four bet with it. Yeah. Right. I guess it's possible. This guy is, you know, so I fast. Know if he called a four bet or if he just isolated. Oh, no, that was king 10. Yeah. So it was king 10. He called the four bet with. Right. Queen eight, he just three bet with. Yeah. Right, plus one. Okay, you're right. That's different. Yeah, that's the king ten is more defensible than the queen eight. Okay, the queen eight hand is where we've had this discussion of like, it's possible this kid is so far forward that it looks horrible now, but it's going to look brilliant in the future. Okay, it's yeah. possible. It's possible he's setting some stuff up that we can't even see or understand. Someone's doing that somewhere, right? Yeah. So maybe we accidentally tripped and fell into this kid doing it. But more likely is this is just a terrible play, right? If we're doing Occam's Razor... Mo- this is very likely a terrible play. I feel like I understand why it's a terrible play. Yeah. Right. Um, it just seems awful. <laughs> it's just really hard to win a, a big pot with this hand. It's easy to lose a big pot with this hand. It's really hard to win a big pot with this hand. That's problematic. Yeah. And we're out of position and Simon Dedman still has to act. I mean, it's just brutal. We're going to be, if Simon Dedman calls, which we're inviting him to do now, we're going to be at his position of two players, not even one. It's just tough. It is tough, and I would default towards three-betting or folding depending on the opponent and the dynamic of the table. Like, yeah. If it was Mark andre and we hadn't played any pots yet, it's definitely a three-bet. If it yep. was Mark andre and I'd three-bet him a couple times, maybe i decide to fold this time. Maybe, you right. Know, yeah. Type of thing. But and if it was some amateur who is tight, just fold. Yep. You know? Um, that seems like the obvious way to think about it, but maybe in a couple of years we'll think differently. Who knows? Right. It's possible, like... Six years ago, I don't think I was thinking about, oh, I have a blocker and the button's opening. Of course, I'm going to be looking to three bet this hand, you know, like, and which now feels like really obvious, yeah. you know? So, and, and so in fairness, that's true. And I might be saying like, how can you three bet ace do suited there? Like you're, you're, when they call, you're always losing. And it's yeah. like, that's not the point. Right. It's a bluff, bro. You know, but like we could, we probably wouldn't understand that back then, you know? Um, maybe, maybe we figured it out. I don't know. Yeah. But you know, but you know what I mean? It was like sort of foreign, that whole concept, yeah. however many years ago. So maybe, maybe there's something here. But as of right now, all I have is what I have. And I don't care if this guy has 2 million results. This feels like a pretty big leak. And if I saw anyone else doing it who didn't have 2 million results, I would eviscerate them for it. This guy doesn't get saved just because he's got the million. Yeah, if we saw Darwin Moon do it, we'd be like, oh yeah, of course, Darwin Moon doing Darwin Moon things. Like we see people do this play all the time. We saw that guy, Bill, what's his name, do it against Mark Newhouse way back when. He king seven suited in the small binding call. Then we crushed him for it, even though he won a nice pot. And it's the same thing, right? Right. It's the same problem. It is. It is. I, I generally agree with you. That guy, yeah. I think, was deeper, yeah. too. They were deeper, effectively, than this. I don't know how you can do it when you have 30 blinds. I thought you were going to tell me he had, like, 80 blinds. I still wasn't going to like it, but at least 80 blinds, it's a little bit... It's better, you know? Yeah, it feels pretty blinds. bad. Jeez. It feels pretty bad, and part of the problem is now you also either get 3-bet or let in Simon Dedman with a huge percentage of the deck, basically, and... So that's just more landmines that you have to dodge. Simon Dedman now gets to enter the pot with five, six off, five of hearts, six of clubs. He has 473K, so about 40 blinds. I mean, just, just to 
continue on this. Letting Simon in. Now, Simon's calling with all of his kings. Yeah. When Simon has a worse king and we flop a king, we're usually chopping. When he has a better king, we're usually losing to it. Yeah. Like, that's terrible. Yeah. Those are all bad things. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so Simon calls as well. The pot is 93K. And Nitrogen Sports Poker Room is a place you should play poker. Yes, it is. You know what? This is the the time of the podcast. We're going to sort of take a moment... And relax to so the chilling sounds of nitrogen sports poker. The chilling sounds? Like terrifying? <laughs> I meant it more like you chill out. Oh, okay. But the, but it did come off wrong. Yeah, I said yeah, that wrong. The relaxing sounds. That's, the, the calming, the calming, relaxing, and chilling sounds of horrifying sounds. <laughs> the horrifying sounds of you losing your chips to us in our monthly tournament. Yeah. Because you know that's going to happen if you play it. But... It doesn't matter. You should play anyway because the expected value is absurd and something that you should always be hunting is good expected value spots as a poker player. We're offering that to you every month on Nitrogen Sports Poker Room if you use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up because we have our monthly tournament last Sunday of every month. The buy-in is 0.1 millibits. The guarantee is 100 millibits. That is 1,000 buy-ins guaranteed. We have never even gotten 100 players. It's crazy. It's, I talk about it every week, but it's crazy. I don't understand how they give away so much money. <laughs> it's a chilling yet relaxing thought process you yeah. know, that leads to it, I think. Probably. Pretty anyway, sure. so get in there for that. Also get in there for some sports betting. Get in there for some casino games. You yeah. don't have to download any software. By the way, if you win some money, it's pretty sweet because when you withdraw your Bitcoin, it takes only 90 minutes or less to get to you. That is unheard of with other poker sites, at least that I'm aware of. Yeah. I've withdrawn Bitcoin from other poker sites that use Bitcoin, and it takes like two days, sometimes more. You know, they, they, they screw you, man. They're, they're crushing you, man. But these guys, nope, these guys are the good guys. Yep. So come on over to the good guy side, yeah. Nitrogen Sports. Join, join the Justice League, Nitrogen Sports Poker. No, that's not a good reference. Why? Because they're the good guys. Yeah, but it's a terrible movie, right? I didn't even you see didn't it. You didn't even see it. It was a terrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was horrifically bad. But. It's okay. The Justice League isn't just a movie, man. It was a cartoon. It's comics. It's a whole thing. It's a whole. It's a whole joie of me, you know. That's you a French. Fluent, that's a fluent French, French. French. Yeah, it's a whole genre of quoi, and uh, yeah, you know, it's a whole way of being. I think is what the French would say. I feel like you're just kind of offending all of the Western Europeans and Central Europeans. Oh, you like today. very few of the Western Europeans and Central Europeans are actually offended. The French, maybe. <laughs> the French one. They're so easily offended. <laughs> Marc-Andre Laduceres, is he French or Canadian? I think he's French-Canadian, actually. I well, think he's Canadian. That would be Canadian. Yeah. Um, although French Canada doesn't want it to be, I suppose. They never want it to be. Anyway, let's get back to the hand here. The pot is 93,000. We have Laduceres on the button with queen eight off. We have Segebrecht in the small blind, having flat with king six of diamonds, and Simon Dedman completing the action in the big blind with six of clubs, five of hearts, the flop is a good one for Segebrecht. King of spades, king of clubs, three of hearts. Woo-hoo, we did it. That's really good. Nice flat, bro. <laughs> yeah, might win a little bit. It's hard to win a huge pot right now, but yes. at least Buddy might win like a C-bet from Marc-Andre or something like that. Yeah. So Simon and uh, Segebrecht both check, and not in that order, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Marc-Andre is going to take a shot, which, of course, he has to on this board when he's the opener. It's such a dry board. It would be absurd not to bet here. It would be really strange. He'd have to have, like, a live tell to not yeah, bet. right. And uh, he bets 30K. I like his sizing. It's a little bit less than a third of the pot. Yep. Don't really need to bet much more on such a dry flop. Agreed. Segebrecht, what should he do? I mean, I guess he has to flat. 
He just has to flat, right? If he raises, how's he going to get any action? He needs, he needs Mark Andre to have like a big pocket pair and decide to hold on basically. Yeah. Cause like, what is he raising besides a King or threes full? Right. I yeah. mean, he could be raising bluffs, but then Mark has to decide he's raising bluffs and it's and such call. a weird time to raise bluffs when like he has a range disadvantage. Yep. Also Simon is behind him and we don't know if Simon has a King, it's, you know, as I said, like we're either chopping or losing by the end, by the river, a lot of the time. So I don't think we can do anything but call. It's going to be really hard to get value down the line, right? Because we're out of position to two guys. So like if we, if we call and whatever Simon does and we check, assuming Simon doesn't raise, right? But, but knowing what Simon has, he's probably not going to raise, um, especially after we call. Um, we check the turn. Usually it's going to check through because everyone's going to think, oh God, Sagerbrecht has a freaking king. And then we bet the river and like, maybe we get called sometimes. Yeah. It's like, this is one of the problems. Now this is a problem if you're in the big blind too with this hand, right. admittedly, but this is one of the problems with playing weak, weak ranges in general, you know? Well, and Sagerbrecht has an especially bad problem in the small blind versus the big blind to your point that in the, if he was in the big blind and Deadman was in the small blind and Deadman folded and Sagerbrecht called Sagerbrecht could have a three. Whereas mm. here he doesn't really have any singular threes that he's supposed to have pre-flop. And then would he even call with it on this board with them behind post-flop? All he can really have are like medium pocket pairs and Kings. Yeah. And I don't even know if he can have actual, if he can actually have medium pocket pairs, he might be three betting all of those. Yeah. But since he decided to flat with King six suited, I feel like I don't know what his flatting range is anymore right. in the small blind. And I'm open to him having eights. Yeah. Me too. But anyway, it's like immediately really hard to get any value from worse hands yeah. in the future when you flat here because it's not like you have three five suited or at least you're not supposed to, mm-hmm. right? Like no. So it's weird, right? Yeah. But I guess calling is better than raising because at least maybe somebody will hit a card and feel like they're too high in their distribution to fold later or something like that. And that'll be great. Fall, f- calling has got to be better than raising, but... Yeah, calling is better than raising. This is just one of the things that sucks about playing out of position and playing with weak ranges. And raising is better than folding. Yep, folding's the worst. Yeah, folding, folding is the, bad, real bad. Calling's the best option, and he makes it, so that's fine. If he folded, we would have done a breakdown on this like the second it came out. <laughs> it would have been immediate. I would have thought that they got the hand wrong. That, yeah. Because I'm like, he's never flatting that hand from the small bind anyway. He's never folding it once that flop comes out. So we wouldn't have done it. Right. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. Anyway, he decides to call, which I think is the best option here. Yeah, it is. For Segerbrecht. And there's a twist in this hand. You guys all thought for the last 20 minutes, this hand's all about class Segerbrecht and his decision-making process and all that stuff, right? This is a Segerbrecht hand. I mean, it sort of is. Yeah. Guess what? What? It's never been about Segerbrecht, bro. <laughs> this is a Simon Deadman hand. What? Now we're going to fucking ramp it up to 112. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean that Simon Deadman is going to raise 212 because he's not. No, he's going to raise Simon two. Deadman has five, six off. The board is king, king, three, rainbow. There's been a seabed and a call. Simon Deadman with five, six off will call. I mean, what? Bling, 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 bling. This is this is kind of a nutso call. This is the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> he, now, could, to be clear, yeah. Simon Deadman is a very good, very accomplished yes. player. He is not calling with six high here because he's like, maybe I'll hit a five or a six and then I'll value bet later. No, he is setting some shit up. I mean, he has to be setting shit up. The thing that's weird about this is he has Segerbeck must have a really wide flatting range 
Because you would think Sagerbrecht almost always has a king here. I would think that, right? Yeah. No, so, I think Simon Devon probably thinks Sagerbrecht has a king. It seems like sort of crazy to go after the guy with like 30 blinds and trips. Yeah. Like that seems like kind of an insane idea. So like, but if I thought he has like pocket sevens, pocket eights, pocket sixes, stuff like that, I, I block sixes. But you know what I mean? As, as um, Deadman. Yeah. Now it, it's more reasonable for me to make this call and take a shot at him later. Kind yeah, of. I agree. And Laudusera could have anything because he's supposed to bet this of board. Of course. We're not worried about Laudusera as much. And I, I think it's also quite possible that Deadman is aware that this might be an opportunity for him to take a spot later in the hand, but it's almost like he's getting a good enough price to see what develops and take the spot later. Mm. Cause it is a very small bet on this flop 30 K and a 93 K. So now it's 30 K to win 153 K eventually. It's and weird though, because in some ways Deadman sort of needs the turn to check through to have a shot at this, right? Cause like if Laduser bets again, well, he's that's, got a big hand. Oh yeah. Well, that's great. Simon will now know like, okay, this yeah. isn't my spot. Right. Right, so, it only cost him thirty k. Yeah, right. But if it, but if it checks through, now he's got a shot at it. Still, there's a problem because Segerbrek has a lot of trip kings. Right, and I think that has to be part of the plan is to sometimes attack the trip kings in the right situation. Wow. Okay. I mean, it has to be right. I mean, it has to be. This seems it seems like a really ambitious plan. It's absolutely ambitious, and I fucking love it. Like, but you love it just because it's crazy, right? I think it's well. I think it's, there's some thought here. I, I think why I love it is because. I don't I don't play against good enough players to make plays like this yeah. often enough to actually have implemented a play like this ever. But there are so many spots when I'm like, if that guy just knew he was supposed to fold trips on yeah. the river against aggressive action, I could absolutely make a play here. That's fair. I, you know, like, sir, and I, and I, so I want to be making these plays, but I just yeah. don't because the competition I'm playing against is generally not good enough to understand when they are supposed to be beat. I completely understand that. Like so many times I have the same experience of like, I look at the guy, I think about making him, but I'm like, he's not good enough to fold. Stop right now and throw your hand away, yeah. you know? And it's like, okay. And I do it, but yeah, I totally hear that. That's, that's a fair point. But so I'm going to assume then Deadman feels like he really knows Segerbrecht and he understands how Segerbrecht thinks yep. if he's going to target Trip Kings at least some of the time here. Yeah, and Marc-Andre is kind of an afterthought. It's like, well, it's kind of unlucky for me if Marc-Andre actually has a big hand, but I'll know for sure on the turn because there's no way once these the two calls happen that Marc-Andre is continuing without Trip Kings or better on the turn. Yeah, that's right. So That's right. He's never betting aces on the turn. He's never, never betting a bluff anymore on the turn. Never. Yeah. Because yeah. what the hell? Because Deadman is supposed to have a king now almost always, yeah, right? Yeah, at least a king. Yeah, at least a king. Because you could have king three or threes full. Totally. Right. Uh, so, I mean, Segerbrecht could have threes full also, probably, yep. in, in people's minds. For sure. Shouldn't have king three, but I guess he could have king three suited. I guess he can. He yeah. can have all of it, apparently. He can't have quads. But probably not king three off. He's probably not doing that. But Deadman can have king three off. Yes. Anyway, I love what Deadman's thought process is here, because it's not like just a dummy doing this because he wants to call a six high. He obviously has a deep thought process behind it, and... I, I get it, you know, and I, I know you get it too. It's just, I get it. I'm just, you just have to really pick your customer very carefully. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I, 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 and I, I think part of this plan, like I said before, is that Demon is not always going to pull the trigger on a move, yeah. right? He's just, he's going to see if the time is right later. Let me, let me say this. I don't think this is supposed to work based on how are things lined up right now. I like, we're going to talk about what actually happens, but here's how like blind to the future, what I think should happen. Maybe I'm going to give away too much by saying this. Well, then don't. All right. I'm not going to say it. All right. But I'll, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that when the things happen. And we'll talk about how maybe de- what, I, what I would have envisioned happening from Demon's point of view versus what did. All right. We'll do it. that. Okay. Way. Sorry, everyone. Well, I don't think you gave anything away. I think I'm not done. sorry. Okay. 
So the pot is 183,000 now. Okay. We have uh, Mark Andre with Queen 8 off on the button. We have Second Brecht with Trip Kings uh, in the small blind for on the King King 3 board. And we have Simon Deadman overfloating with the 5 6 off. This is actually a bit reminiscent of one other hand we've done, which is a cash game hand with Phil Ivey yeah, and Patrick I Antonius, where Phil Ivey overfloats when Antonius had already floated Dwan. I think I think Antonius raised and Ivy flatted the raise. Oh, with like seven high. Yeah, yeah. Because he knows Patrick is going to attack that, and Ivy always attacks trips boards with with um, paired boards. Like yeah. always. Yeah, and then eventually like bet and Patrick really wanted to call but just couldn't do it. Queen high and almost called anyway. Yeah, and would have been right. Yeah, I mean so incredible. He knows they know each other so well. Right. Anyway. All right. So, hundred eighty three k in the pot. Turn is the ace of clubs. Interesting card. Yeah, I, I mean, mean this the, hits Mark Andre the most out of everybody. Yeah, it does. But an ace is not supposed to be good here if you're Mark Andre. Yeah, it actually shouldn't matter. Yeah, right. if you have ace queen, you're like, well, I lose anyway. I hope another ace comes. You know, right? Um, and it checks around, which not a surprise that that was going to check. Do you think Segerbrek should lead? No, no, because Deadman could have a bigger king easily. Deadman has mostly has bigger kings. Mark Andre is uncapped at this point still. Mark Andre is all the nutted hands. I don't see how we can lead. The thing I really love about Deadman's flat is that it's a rainbow board. Like, I think it's mm. so much better that it's a rainbow board because, like, what can Deadman have? He never yeah. has just a random three. Right. He yeah. has to have a king. Yeah. Or better. Yeah. It's kind of sweet, man. I, this is why I was... Well, I'm, I'm not convinced it's kind of sweet, but we're going to talk. We're going to get into it once we All get right. to the river. Ace of clubs checks around. Mark andre could easily still have an ace here. Absolutely. He would, he, he would check an ace for sure. He, he would check ace-queen, 100%. Yeah. He has to. And, like probably fold to a bet on the river most of the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there's not much else to talk about. I mean, Deadman, the turn Deadman could lead the turn if he wanted to like start his plan now of like saying, I have a big hand and I want an ace to call. He could, but I, I like sort of like giving Mark Andre a chance to give him the free information of, oh, okay, you did check. Right. So now I just have to like figure out how to like steal from Segerbrand. Yeah, that's kind of a key part to this whole plan. Yeah. Mark Andre has to really not have it. And he usually doesn't, but Deadman has to make sure of that. Yeah. And this is, and you're going to get perfect information, basically. Mark Andre maybe can't bet his big hands either, then, if you think about it. Well, the reason why he can, I I agree with you, he shouldn't be able to because he's not really balanced. But in theory, the reason why he can is because these guys have, if if Mark Andre has aces full right now, he should bet because these guys have kings. Yeah. So who cares? Like, that's true. Just be exploitative. They can't both fold. Yeah. That's now, true. actually, if he really bet right now, Segerbrek might fold, and then Deadman would have to fold, too, and he'd yeah. be like, oh, no. But like, since they both have kings almost always, like, I think you just go for value and don't worry about balance here. Yeah, that's a reasonable just, point. They just have it. Yeah. Turns out only one of them does, and he doesn't have it as strong as you yeah, want. Yeah, I think to, in but. poker, especially when doing hand review with other people that are asking you about hands or you know what we do, which is consistently always hand review of hands, Yeah, we probably overemphasize balance a bit too we much. Do. Because in practice, that's not going to make you the most money in every instance. There's just certain spots where you just where, where a player's always going to have it, yeah, or almost always have it, you know, and that's just the way it is. Yep. And uh, so be it. Like okay, like sometimes people are married to the hand anyway. Like if Segarrect has king queen, is he really going to fold to a bet on the turn from Mark Andre? Maybe he should, but is he really going to? I, I doubt it, yeah. If he has pocket threes, he's not folding, right? He's just not. Even if Marc-Andre only has better hands, he can't, you can't really fold pocket threes. There really can you? can't, you? no. So, you know, you just go for value and don't worry about it. Like, you're like let's bust this guy. Like, it's yeah. time to bust him. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, it checks around, which makes lots of sense, Perfect I think. Perfect sense. 
All right, the river is a uh, real bingo for Simon Demon. It's the five of spades. So oh, he, he's got a pair. He pairs his five. This was the plan all along. <laughs> Check it down and win. <laughs> all right. So I don't know. This river discussion might last 45 minutes. Might, I don't know. We're going to find it. It might last 10. We'll, yeah. we'll see. I'm thinking it's going to be 10, but we'll see. All right. So Segebrecht, in the small blind now with his trip, trip kings, what should he do? I think it's a clear check. And why do you think that is? Because Deadman is supposed to have a king, and we beat almost none of Deadman's kings. Yep. So we cannot bet for value here. But our kicker plays against King Deuce and King Four. That is true. But if we check King Deuce and King Four, maybe maybe once in a while Deadman will make a super sick check with King Four or King Deuce, and we don't get any value. But the problem, of course, is every time every other hand Deadman has is supposed to be beating us right now, except the hand that he does have. Like pretty much every other hand except King and King Deuce and King Four that isn't a weird play that he's making has us crushed and is going to not fold when we bet hear me out go so it's not enough combos for this to actually be meaningful but deadman is a very good player we agree on that right yeah i don't think deadman's supposed to bet king deuce or king four on this river because okay. what does segerbrecht have um well when segerbrecht checks again maybe you can have eights and and then mark andre maybe can i mean the problem is it's hard to get value if you if you have yeah right because mark andre is probably folding ace queen even though he has top yeah. pair um, and Segerbrecht is folding his eights, right? Yeah. So you're so maybe he bets, maybe maybe he checks, but um, if think of it this way though, if Segerbrecht bets, is Deadman calling with King Deuce anyway? Maybe not. How can he call if he's good enough to check it? He's good enough to fold it. So you're supposed to check fold. How? Well, maybe you don't check fold. You certainly. I think betting is absurd. A betting seems crazy to me. Check calling sounds terrible too. Then well, we give Mark. Deadman... We give Mark. If it checks to Mark Andre, maybe he bets his ace queen on the river. We call and who knows what Deadman does. Um, Deadman folds. Mark Andre is never betting ace queen on the river. If it checks through again, he might to get called by what? I don't know. I'm it's trying to come zero up with percent a... chance he bets ace queen on the what river. What are we supposed to get called by if we bet? What I'm saying is, is checking any better? Checking has got to be better than betting because betting seems like a negative free roll. For the, for the other players. You're giving them a negative throw. You're like, here's my chips. Go ahead and take them. At least if we check, we get an opportunity to, to like either make a fold. Like we could check fold if we want to. I don't know if I would want to really, but we could. If Deadman bets big, I'd consider check folding this hand. Um, I mean, I think you have to check fold to Deadman. And I, yeah, okay, fair enough. You and I think you maybe have to check fold to Marc-Andre too because Marc-Andre is absolutely not betting ace queen and I will die in that hill. Like, why would you well, ever what bet what is Marc-Andre betting then? He's got pocket fives? He's I guess got, he's got a pocket fives. Or aces full that he checked the turn with because like, he's okay, not always going to bet balanced. that or ace king, you know, something yeah, like okay. that. Like, um, like, okay. Would you, do you actually think Marc-Andre should bet ace queen if it checks to him here? Because there are two players, I don't think he should. If there was one player, I think he should for sure. Wait, uh, if it was Segerbrecht and Deadman had folded the flop, you think he should? I was thinking more Deadman because Deadman can then have a lot of things. Like what? Like he can have a three. If Segerbrecht folds. If Segerbrecht folds the flop and Deadman's the, uh, Deadman's the only calling, oh. he can absolutely call with okay, one pair fine. with Fine, but that's, we're talking about a whole different scenario now. I'm saying like right. in this scenario. You, which, just, you just changed the scenario. That's, that's you said. If, no, you did. You said if it was. You changed a, it first. That's what, and then I was just, so then I changed it again to a scenario which was, since you changed it to one, I changed it to one that worked. Okay. What I'm saying, <laughs> go on. But you're doing a random scenario. I'm doing a scenario that is trying to figure out if Segerbrecht should check or bet, right? Right. And I so I'm saying, is in this scenario that okay. we're here, if Mark Andre had ace queen, do you think it would be okay for him to bet it, or do you think it would be the worst play in the history of poker? I don't think it would be the worst play in <laughs> okay. the history of poker. Um, against two players, I don't like betting it. I would check it, and yeah. I would. I'd be like, I might win. I, I think might you win. Expect to lose probably in check. Um, but here's the thing that's fine. 
If I'm Segerbrecht, what the hell am I betting for? Explain to me what I'm hoping to get called by. Yeah, I don't know. I think what you're doing is you're thinking, you're not thinking about Simon Dudman. For some reason, you put God blinders on. <laughs> okay. Well, that seems unfair, man. I, like, you, 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 I can't change the scenario at all, but you're allowed to go into Segerbrecht well, and saying, get him, make him forget about one I'm not of the saying two the players? Bet, I'm not saying the bet is good. I'm just okay. saying all of his options are bad. Yeah. This is all born of a bad preflop call. Right. And he's in a bad scenario because of it. Yeah. And I think that betting is not good. You're not going to get much going on. What I'm trying to do is figure out exactly why he's betting and what his thought process is. Okay. I think his thought process is probably just blind to Simon Dedman for one reason or another. I don't know what it is, but thinking like, okay, so if Mark Andre has an ace, he's never betting this river. So I have to try to get value for right. Mark Andre. Right. All right. Look, if they're heads up, he should absolutely be betting, right? After yeah. he checks through on the turn, of course he should against Mark Andre. Yeah. But because Dedman called on the flop, he should either be check calling or check folding. Those should be the only two considerations. Right? Yeah. Like, can I check call profitably or do I have to check fold? Should be the only two branches on the tree. And somehow he finds a bet. Yeah. Which is clear. I don't see how that couldn't be just setting those chips on fire. Yeah, I think I agree with that. So I, so I hate this bet. And this makes me wonder if this guy's any good because he flatted with his hand pre and now he makes this bet, which is, if, like, again, I agree with you. It seems like he forgot about Simon Denman existing somehow. Yeah. Deadman is going to check his trip kings on the turn to Andre to Mark Andre also. Yeah. And it's like he forgot that. It's like he thinks he's thinks they've reversed positions and Deadman's already checked the river. Now you could decide to bet your your trips kings if you want to because you're afraid it's going to check through and you're praying Mark Andre somehow finds a hero, right? That's that's all you're doing. But even then, I don't know if I love it because Deadman could have a slightly better king. You know, Deadman has a lot of pretty good kings there. I guess if he's yeah. flatting, I don't really know what Deadman what kings Deadman would have in the small blind, honestly. But whatever. This is this. I, 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 yeah, he probably forgot Simon Dedman existed, but that's not good. No, that's definitely that's horrible. not horrible. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> no, you shouldn't forget about the guy. So, so this is why I'm not so sure about Simon Dedman's plan because there's no way Segerbeck should be checking, um, should be betting. Excuse me, any any kind of medium or weak weak trip kind of king's hands here, even though he does. And so then, what kind of plan are you having here? Well, like, I, I don't think you're relying on him to bet. Okay, why would you be relying on him to bet? You shouldn't be. Yeah, you're not. Okay, good. So, so then there, there's the answer to your question. Okay. <laughs> we got there. All right. So Segerbrecht does bet. Yeah. He bets 90K. And uh, Simon Dedman's like, you know what? The plan the plan's going to happen because I guess the thing he needed for the plan to happen was for Marc-Andre to not have it. And yeah. it makes it unlikely that Marc-Andre ha- has it because he checked the turn. He's like, okay, cool. Marc-Andre doesn't have it. What does this kid's small blind range consist of? Segerbrecht. And he might not be putting him on King Six, but he's probably putting him on something like King Ten suited King Jack type hands. Yeah, I would guess King Queen. Yeah, maybe a little bit of King Queen. Um, not any Ace King, so he right. doesn't have that. Right. Not any King Three. Not any King Five. He wouldn't. He. We know right. he probably could have those things, but Deadman probably doesn't think the guy can have King Three or King Five. So probably. Deadman's like, I'm the guy with all the combos of King Three, all the combos of King Five, all the combos of Three is full. So I'm the guy who can have it here, right? So yeah. And he blocks fives full, which or and king five, by the way. Mm-hmm. If for some reason Segerbrecht could have king five in his mind, he blocks king five at least. That's nice. Sure. So Deadman goes for it. Yeah. He raises to 260K. How deep is Segerbrecht and Deadman? Uh, Segerbrecht is the effective stack. He started with 400K. Okay. Deadman only has 73K more. Segerbrecht's put in, put in 57,000 before we get to the river. Yeah. And then, then he bets 90K. So he's put in 147K. So he's like 250, 260 left, something like that. Yeah, so it's uh, 
basically going to leave him with about 90K if he calls. And the blinds are 612? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Marc-Andre Lattisseur, of course, folds quickly. Of course. Sagerbrek goes into the tank. Yeah. So a couple questions. Is this a good play by Simon Dedman? I mean, if you know Segerbrecht is this bad, it's a good play. Otherwise, no. Okay, explain. Segerbrecht should have only really strong kings here when he bets. Can you call with those? You have to call with something. So, yeah, you can. You have to call with something. In this spot, though, do people in practice call with something? I what? don't know. And I, don't I, honestly, you, I honestly don't know. And I don't agree that you have to call with something applies blanket to every hand that is ever played. Of course not. But yeah. look, Deadman is clearly capable of not having yes. it. So yes. that means now we have to call with something. Right. But it's such a strange scenario for him to be capable of not having it. That's why this is so interesting. I agree. Because people don't do this. This is not a play that is made very frequently. Correct. So it's really hard to think, oh, this is one of those times. It's not just like a simple float heads up where he's like in position calls with like any two cards and deciding to bluff later. Yeah. This is a much more complex version of that where you rarely, if ever, see a play like this, especially when you're actually playing at the table. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you saw it on YouTube once, right? Yeah. So it's kind of hard to think he actually doesn't have it some of the time. It's hard to use distribution in this spot. I mean, you have to know your opponent and know if it's possible for him to have it. And maybe Simon Debman has literally never done a play like this before, and he just pulled it out right now. I can't imagine he does it all the time, you know? Right. Oh, well, yeah, you can't do it much, yeah. right? But, um, but, you know, he's, like, on TV and stuff, and, like, the players talk and stuff, so, like... Sooner or later, like people would know if he's doing these kinds of plays at all. And if he's so if this is the first time he's ever done it, now everyone knows he's capable of doing it, right? Yeah. If he's never done if he's literally never done it before and done it, never done it in a way that anyone knows about. Um if you know he's capable of it even a little bit, you have to call with something. Okay. But so so I don't know, I don't know if Segerbeck knows if he's capable of this or not. I, I think it's easy, especially when we're sitting in chairs and doing a podcast and being in super theory land, to overestimate people's capability of being able to do stuff like this. Yeah. Like, especially like, just imagine when you're at the table, you like, you, you think there's a, like a 0% chance this guy is bluffing. Right. And I mean, been, I've been in this exact spot yeah. pretty much where I'm in the, uh, eight, eight, eight tournament at the world series last summer. Uh, Eric Cajule, who is like a old school pro type dude opens under the gun, but like six handed, uh, the button calls old guy. I've told this story before, but it's relevant. Very relevant. In fact, to this hand, I call with King six in the big blind. Oh my God. Yeah. The flop is King King. It's like King King four. I check casually bets the button calls. I already hate it, but I call. Yep. Turn is um, like a deuce. I check casually checks and I'm very interested to see what the button does. The button checks. I'm like, Oh good. We have the best hand. Yeah. River is an eight. I bet casually moves in for a lot. The button folds and I'm like, Oh, casually always has pocket eights. Yeah. Like a hundred percent of the time he's got pocket eights. He knows I have a king. He hopes I have a king. He's overbetting the pot because, like, there's no way this is a move. Also, Casually had not been playing crazy. He'd been playing super conservatively. Like, he's trying to play small pots, and suddenly he does this when it looks like I'm in, it was strong. It was a super easy fault. Yeah. You know? I never actually got to see his pocket eights. I'm sure he had pocket eights. So I'm saying this because, A, it's very similar to this situation. Yeah. Um, but B, there's also that certainty that, like you're talking about, which Deadman is going for, right? Right. And maybe he's able to get it the first time. Right? Like yep. right, the first time he's able to get it right now. Maybe this is the first time. Right. That's cool. But of course the situation is similar that you described, but it is also different. And let's think about this very specific situation yeah. here in Segerbrecht's shoes. You're like, okay, it's the King King three flop. La Ducer bet. I called Simon over called. 
I'm never putting him on fucking 10 high. Like, here's, here's I'm why, never doing it. Here's why I think this is a bad play, though, by Deadman. Segerbrecht is not cognizant enough of the situation to remember that Deadman's in the hand when he bets the river. I don't know if that's true. I think it's like effectively. That's it's the true. best. That's the best thing that we came up with, but we don't really know why he bet the river. Okay, he's betting the river for value, right? He's not bluffing, yeah. right? Yeah. He's What's the, the opening get called by, and who's supposed to call him with what? Mark Andre with Ace Queen. That's that's his whole thing. Okay, so he's not cognizant enough of the hand to understand that Deadman almost always has a king and almost always has him beat, and Andre's not going to Mark Andre's not going to call anyway with Ace Queen. So how in the world does Simon Deadman think this guy's going to put all this stuff together when he bets, when he's betting King six, that is, that is like a crazy amount of leaps to ask this guy. Who's like, you're asking him to go from not being good enough to understand he can't bet. I mean, I think to being good enough to understand he has to fold. I also think you're taking this one hand yeah. as how good Segerbrecht is like in, in its entirety. Sure. I think, That's all I have. And well, you also have his resume. Okay. So I think we need to give him a little bit more credit because his resume is actually pretty impressive. I can't give him credit when he decides to bet the river, man. I, it's really hard to give him any credit I, there. Everybody plays hands poorly sometimes. Yes, right? that's true. And it doesn't mean they play the entire hand poorly. It doesn't mean their thought process is overall flawed and they're not capable of seeing the things that Simon Debman needs him to be capable of seeing him. I would guess this guy is absolutely capable of that with his resume. Wouldn't you? I just mean you're really, you're really asking a lot for me in the audience to say... On the same in the same minute and a half span, this guy is not cognizant enough of the situation to bet the river, but is cognizant enough of okay. the situation to fold to the raise on the river because okay, of okay, what okay. the range is. In That's the context all. of is this a good play by Simon Dedman? What do you do when you get your table draw before a, a, the next day of a tournament? Yeah, you look everybody up. Yeah, what would you think about Segerbrecht if you looked him up? Um, I would assume he didn't suck. Yeah. Simon Dedman probably has a lot more info on from that perspective than he has King six here. He has no idea the guy has King six. Here. Right. Of course. Yeah. So from that perspective, Simon Dedman's perspective of what I know about this guy is that he's like an, an accomplished player. He probably knows what he's doing. His mm-hmm. table presence. You've seen the hand. He looks like he's like a guy who's good at poker. He does like, so Dedman's going to put that together and say, okay, this is a guy who knows King 10 isn't supposed to be good here. Right. Yeah. Right. That makes sense, right? That does. But shouldn't Simon, Simon Denman also be thinking, call me crazy, tell me if I'm wrong, this guy should never really have a king here, ever anyway, because, like, what flatting, as soon as the guy flats, Simon Denman's like, what in the world is this guy even flatting with? Like, no, what the hell's break. going on? King, queen, king, 10, king, nine, any king doesn't really make sense, really. But what does make sense? I don't know. Right, but so. But so, like, what the hell? That doesn't help. But I'm saying, but then, then as Simon Denman, I'm like, is this guy an accomplished player? He just did something super, like what most not accomplished players do and not what very few, if any, accomplished players are doing this very often. I mean, you're anyway. under the assumption that Simon Denman agrees with us that King Six is a bad flat out of the small line, by the way, which, you know, maybe he doesn't. Okay, but... But again, if we're going to use Occam's razor yeah. and assume we're not like 20 years in the future looking back, oh my God, it turns out it was great. I would say if we lined up 25 Simon Deadmans or people of Simon Deadman's caliber right now and ask them, is this a good play? 23 of them minimum would say, of course not. And never, and not even think about it. Now, I could be wrong, but it's very unlikely. And sh- I know you agree with that underneath I do. it all. Okay, good. I do agree with that. Um, at the same point, I think if Simon Deadman is giving this guy resume credit, yeah. I call this a good play. Deadman has a massive range advantage. He has the full houses that Segerbrek doesn't. Sometimes Segerbrek has threes full. I mean, Segerbrek actually has all the full houses. Though. Right, but from the Deadman's like, resume yeah. perspective, yeah. which is probably all he's got to go on. Right. And the, the guy's table presence and all this stuff that mm-hmm. makes you think, okay, this guy is this type of player who right. like, is a thinking player and understands all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good play against that player. 
Like, what does the guy have? At best, he has king, queen, and king, queen is like, maybe he's going to have to call. Um, I guess mm-hmm. sometimes he could have pocket threes. Yep. Um, if he has king, queen, he can have pocket threes, right? Yeah. He's definitely going to call pocket threes. He's not going to like it, but he's going to call. But pocket threes are more likely to raise in the flop on a different note. But it's a, uh, so they're slightly less likely just from a gameplay perspective. Yeah, that's probably true. So maybe, maybe Deadman gets called by king, queen. Maybe not. I don't know because. Deadman is not repping King Queen, really. Maybe he's repping King Queen as like a free roll. Like sometimes I get called by worse, sometimes it's a chop, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's mostly saying I have King Five or King Three, right? I don't know. Let's think about this a little more, okay? If you have King Queen and you're in um, what's it, Segerbeck's shoes, you know what? It's so hard for me to come up with any kings. I it's so hard for me to think about it because I was going to say. Deadman would assume I was three betting king queen, so he could maybe he could think like maybe I would think like he could actually be raising a worse like a slightly worse king for value, like, like king jack, like king jack, like king ten, because he thinks I'm three betting all those hands anyway. But then how does he think I have any king? Yeah, so I don't know. How, so I don't that, think that logic has. doesn't really follow. No, I just I feel like you're really bending over backward to give Segerbrecht credit when we see him making plays that really. I'm demand not, him not be giving credit. I'm not trying to give Segerberg credit. Yeah. What I'm trying to do is give Simon Dedman credit. I understand. But but in doing that, the only way you can give him credit is you have to give Segerberg credit first, right? But it, I, I think I've accomplished that pretty easily with the resume thing. See, but just going, I don't think that's enough. I think okay. a resume is nice, but we know, we don't know if this guy's down $2 million in tournaments. He just, he's won $2 million. You know I, that's not the same Of thing. course I know that, but... Like from Simon Dedman's perspective, that's yeah. all I'm going on. Yeah. What do you do the day of the of the table draw? You look up the guy, you get the information. The guy has a good table presence. You make an assessment. Okay. By the way, from Simon Dedman's perspective, he already knows who this guy is. He doesn't look up the guy and just sees up two million, yeah. right? He he has friends who play with this guy a lot. Yeah, so he so he has lots of information on this guy. Sure. It's not it's not it's not like what you or I would do because we've never heard of this guy, you know. So it's it's not really the same thing. It's not the only thing he's going on. Is oh he's he's two million. He's won $2 million, right? He's got a lot more data than that. And so, so we don't know what that data is, but it's a no. whole lot different than just that number of $2 million, which looks very pretty. There's no question about it. And maybe this guy is, as we're saying, very fashion forward with his poker, but I, mean, I don't think so. I, 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 think, I think it's quite possible that these are, there are two bad plays in this hand that this guy makes, and yeah. they're not necessarily indicative of how he generally thinks about poker. I mean, sure. people make bad plays. This is true. I make bad plays. For sure. Of course. So do I make mistakes. There's no question about it. I make bets that I like think about. And I'm like, what the hell was I doing? That's a terrible bet. Sometimes I make the bet and as the chips leave my hand, I'm like, that's not good. Right. And I'm more like, what am to, I looking to and do? And I'm here? more likely to give this guy credit because of the resume. That's fine. I just think you're overdoing that. And, and I, I really think that's not, that's not enough when we're seeing, I mean, the guy fighter with King six suited, um, that's really powerful evidence to me. Okay, and I, all right. And, I, and it's hard for me to ignore it. Let's let's try to simplify this. Okay. All right. So, assuming Simon Demon doesn't think this guy is terrible, and Because right. I don't think Simon Demon does, or else he wouldn't make this play, right? Right. That's true. Is this a good play? Okay. That's a great... That's a good way to do this. I guess it's a good play because... The guy would be betting his good kings, hoping to get called by Simon Dedman's worst kings. Yep. And then Simon gives him the bad news that it's your good king isn't good enough. Right. Like I right. river to five to right, make right. kings full or I right. had king kings three. full three. Yeah, I was, I was slow playing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in that way, I guess it's good because you're like, this guy's cable. This guy's going to fold his trips. He still has 20 blinds back. Yeah. He's not just going to punt it all off here with you know, 30 players left in this tournament or something like that. Say, for example, you were, you were Sega Brecht. Okay. 
And so give give your thought process to Sagerbrook, but not King Six. You had King Ten suited, I, and you're yeah, and you're sure. like, okay, this is a time to flat King Ten suited in the small blind. It's like too good to fold, but Mark Andre is for sure shipping on me this time. You know, so you have King Ten suited. Okay, you would never flat King Ten suited in the small blind. This I, I don't know what I would do. I think I have some flats there with okay. King Ten and King okay. Jack and stuff like that. And are you calling this bet with King Ten suited? Well, no, but King Ten suited is like the worst king I'm ever going to have. King, right? All right, but King Jack, are you calling it? Um, probably not. You're going to be down so. to 93 K if you lose. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think I'm calling with King Jack King queen. I might talk myself into, but you might fold King queen, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's pretty good. But again, I don't think I have very many flats anyway. Like the, the, the percentage I'm, I'm ever even going to be in this situation is so unbelievably rare. If ever that it, it's okay. That's I'm just saying that matters, right? Like I'm like, I'm not going to be in this situation. Like yeah. I, I do things to make sure I'm not in this situation. And so do you. Yeah. So uh, yes, we, maybe we have a few flats from the small by when Mark Andre opens, but very few. And it's so rare. I don't know. It just, I'm guessing that this cigarette guy has lots of flats in the small blind since he flatted King six suited and Deadman knows that too. So he knows he's got lots of Kings, not just. Okay, good. good. So we're targeting all of them. Yeah. 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 No, that's better. Yeah. No, that's better. Um, I just, I, 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 we're sort of arguing about two different things at the same time, which is making this. You're arguing if the play, you, your, your only argument for the play being bad is that Sagerbrecht is not competent. Right. Yeah. And you're saying, but let's assume some level of competence. This is a yeah. good play. And I do think it is. Okay. I so, do. cause that's kind of the point of the podcast yeah, yeah, in yeah, general. Yeah, yeah. So like, I would say my overall analysis of this play from a theoretical perspective against a competent player is that Simon Dedman is making a good play here. Although right. very high variance and a little bonkers. But I would argue with you, and maybe this is the real argument, maybe this is the subtext of everything we've been doing the whole time. I don't think that's the point of this podcast. You think that's the point of this podcast. I think the point of this podcast is the question we ask ourselves sometimes when we're thinking about raising the river. Is this guy good enough to fold? Yeah. And it turns out this guy is, but I don't know if Simon Dedman understands where well, this guy's spoilers, really at. Spoilers, Segerbrek folds. Oh yeah, he folds. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wow, we took all this time. We never told him that he folded. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so you know what I mean. So I don't know which. I don't know what's the point of the podcast is because part of the point in these spots is know your customer, right? Yeah. Like you have to know this guy's able to make this able to throw away trip kings. There are some guys who have no interest in throwing away trip kings, no matter what their kicker is, right? And those are not the guys you make this play against. Well, now, it turns out threw that it away. Whatever but, Simon Dedman's evidence is on the guy was accurate, and he was right that the guy was capable of folding trip kings, or he got lucky this time. You know that this was like the worst king this guy ever has, and he decided to fold. It isn't like Segerbeck folded right away, by the no, way. No, he, he tanks. tanks. He used a lot of cards. Yeah, so cards. like he wasted resources that he didn't have to waste. So that makes me think if he had a good king, maybe he does call. And then maybe this isn't such a good play. Yeah. Maybe he got lucky that this is like among the bad kings this guy has, where he absolutely does have to fold, of course. Right. Of course he does. And I'm surprised he uses time cards, honestly. That also points to me thinking he's no good. Like, why are you thinking so long? Of course your hand is no good. Now, it turns out it is, but that's not the point here. Like, I think I, watching the episode, I feel like the stuff Segerbeck did, did in general was good. Like, yeah. Like, I feel like the other plays I saw him make were maybe not like the Simon Dedman plays, like, holy shit, oh, this well, guy's thinking that's on fine. a new level. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, whatever. More like, oh, I would have done that. Oh, mm-hmm. that, that seems right. You know, yeah. That type of thing. So what do you think happened? He got possessed by some other spirit? Like I don't know. I don't know. Spirit? I can't explain Segerbeck's plays in this hand. Yeah. I think Dedman's play is awesome. I do. And I don't mean... It's the highest I mean, expected value play of all time or anything. I think it's just such a cool thing to pull off. So when Segerbeck has King Jack suited here instead. Yeah. And Deadman makes this play and Segerbeck calls. Because I'm guessing he's calling since he used time cards on King Six. Yeah. 
Do we still think it's good? Or are we like, why is Edmund targeting trips such a strong range here? Yes, I think it's good. And I think Segerbrecht made a bad call. Yeah. That's probably what my analysis would have that's, been. That's not unreasonable because I think I'm folding King Jack. Yeah. There. Yeah. But I think Segerbrecht is calling with King Jack based on his behavior. You, you might be right about that. Yeah. But I think. But it th- then it comes down to knowing your customer again, though. Yeah. And then again, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe Deadman got lucky that his customer had the bottom of his king's For right whatever there. reason, Simon Deadman gave the guy credit. Like, yeah. Or he wouldn't have made the play, right? Yeah. Yeah. So at the time, in Simon Deadman's head, he was probably thinking this guy's folding of, King Jack. Of course. But I'm just, but my, I'm coming back to, that could be luck as opposed to skill. Like, you could keep on this is a great play. I'm saying maybe he lucked into the fact that this guy had this part of his range. That's I mean, it's all? kind of, I think the, this the, is the we, like one of the weakest hands he can show up with here. The technical aspects of the player make it so that there's, not it's not entirely luck either way. Like it's definitely a skillful overall technical play, understanding range advantage, understanding exactly what you need from Mark Andre to make it happen and everything. I mean, sure. But every time you do this against the guy who just doesn't fold in this spot, it's just fancy play syndrome, right? Sort of. I mean, I don't think I would call this fancy play syndrome based on the way because it, because it worked. No, based on the way the hand played out. Like you said, if yeah. you called with King Jack, I would have said, I think this is a good play and it should have yeah. been a fold. Yeah. So I wouldn't have thought it was fancy play syndrome. But if you do that to Darwin Moon and he calls you with King-10 suited there, that's fancy play syndrome, right? Because Darwin Moon doesn't know to well, call yeah, King-10. I agree. I wouldn't do it against Darwin Moon based like on Bill, my evidence. Against like Billy Cop's like shoving the the baby flush because the board's paired and he's got the range advantage, right? And he's, I think maybe, I think Billy Cop was actually bluffing the more I think yeah. about it, right? And Darwin Moon calls instantly and Billy Cop can't believe he calls with the queen high flush, right? When the board's paired for like their, both their lives yeah. with like 15 left in the main event or something like that. Um, but like that's on Billy Cop for not knowing... Not understanding that Darby Moon, of course, isn't going to fold a strong hand. Okay, I agree. Know your customer is important. I 100% agree with that. But I think Simon Dedman thought he did know his customer. Of course he thought he did. I'm just saying I, I question if he actually did. Right. What That's I'm all. saying is Billy Cop really should have known the Darwin Moon customer yeah, of course versus he should have. this is a different scenario. Of course he should have. Yeah. Like, this guy seems like a real pro. He yeah. seems like it. It's, a, it's, a, it's different. It's somewhat different. Come on. I think I think you're like really want to give Deadman more credit than he deserves. I think I'm giving him the right amount. <laughs> Fair enough. Tag your tweets. Yeah. Music is my sunlight and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave him so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to make